Good evening, everyone. It's time for us to get started with our lesson tonight. As you know, David is still at P2P, and he asked me if I would uh, stand in for him tonight. So we're going to uh, try to get started and go through the lesson tonight. First, let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. And Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come out this evening for Another portion of Bible study, we pray, Father, that we will study your word without addition, without subtraction. We also pray, Father, that you would be with us as we make these discussions. We pray, Father, that we would go by the scriptures and go by the things that's, that's written. Father, we ask that you would be with the sick and the shut in. We ask that you would be with those in the hospital room and the sick beds, Father, especially those household of faith. Father, we ask that you also be with the teachers, that they would... Uh, if you help them to relect the things that they've studied, that they may teach your word without addition or without subtraction. Father, also for the pray for the uh, students attending those classes. We pray, Father, that they would attend, be attentive to the lesson and they may uh, evolve in the discussion and that they would learn things that help them in their lives. Father, we ask that you would be with us and guide us. We ask that you another blessing in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Tonight, I uh, thought about uh, doing a lesson on uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. And that's, uh, I've, I've always liked it, that, because it's a, a, a writing about Solomon, about everything going on in our lives. You know, there's a time for everything in our lives. Uh, that's that's going to occur while we're here on this earth. Thank Solomon kind of uh, covered it. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, I don't know what I did with my Bible. So I, David don't like me using my phone, but I'm going to have to use it tonight. Is it out there? I, I figured I left it out. Can you get it for me? I, I'd, rather read, I'd rather read the paper Bible, but we'll get started uh, with Ecclesiastics, uh, starting out with verse one. Ecclesiastics chapter three, and we'll be starting with verse one. Uh, be uh, verses one through eight, Blake. <laughs> what I let's see. Uh, all right, three, one through eight. It says, For everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. 
a time to rain and a time to sow, a time to eat and a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And that's uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. And first I want to go through a little bit about the author, uh, written by Solomon. Uh, he was king of Jerusalem. Uh, when you look at Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and uh, 2 and verse 12, and then Proverbs 1 and 1. It said the uh, emptiness of trying to be happy Maybe this one to hold up on me. Uh, <clears throat> uh, about the emptiness of trying to be happy apart from God. And Solomon considered the richest, uh, the, uh, the wealthiest, the wisest, the richest, and the most influential king in Israel's history. Uh, so when we look at that, you know, how, what, what Solomon is, that Solomon looked at life under the sun and declared it to all be empty. In other words, everything that Solomon had ever tried, you know, he tried everything under the sun. You know, he, he was rich. He tried everything. He tried to build things. He built cities, and he, you know, had uh, cattle, and he had all these different things. But he said all these things was emptiness. All these things didn't mean anything. Then he said, you know, he had power. He had popularity. He had prestige. Uh, he had pleasure. You know, nothing can fill the God-shaped void in, in man's life but God himself. And this is the way Solomon looked at things, you know. He tried all of these different things, and then when it come down to the end, he said all of these things was vanity, all of these things was emptiness, you know, all of these things that he was trying to get, you know. He said he got cities, you know, he got, you know, cattle, he got all of these different things. He had all these pleasures and popularity, but all of these things didn't mean anything when it came down to it. Uh, uh, the Greek word for he was a preacher, and calling that uh, Ecclesiastes, and the Greek word Elasia means preacher. Latin word for Ecclesiastes means speaker before an assembly. In other words, uh, uh, Solomon considered himself a preacher. You know, he mentioned that a couple of times in his writing, you know, about being the preacher, and that's what Ecclesiastes means it means the speaker before an assembly. Uh, David died in 1 Kings 2.10, and Solomon set up on the throne of David, his father, in 1 Kings 2.12. So this is kind of a little bit of history about Solomon. Uh, 
Then when you also look at Solomon, it says Solomon requested wisdom. God asked Solomon, you know, what, what he wanted. And when you look at uh, uh, 1 King 9, you know, he said, Therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that they may discern between good and bad, but who is able to judge this city, this thy so great a people. In other words, Solomon requested wisdom. You know, he didn't want, you know, he could ask for anything he wanted to, but he asked for wisdom. And God granted him that. Uh, when you go to uh, 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. And let's read that real quick before we get into our... Uh, All right, uh, I said three, first King three, five through 14. Let's read that real quick. And then we'll get into the meat of our lesson. But I want to give you a little bit of history about uh, uh, Solomon um, before we kind of got into it. All right, and it said, verse starting at verses 5, saying, Gideon, the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And he said, Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according to as walked before thee in the truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to set on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which is thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered. But cannot uh, for the multitude. Yet I for thy servant an understanding heart, to judge thy people, that I might discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy great people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor had asked for life of thine enemies, but had asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy word. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee, in any wise like unto thee. So that's where we're getting into what Solomon gets all his knowledge. You know, God asked him what he wanted. And most men would ask for the heads of his enemies, uh, riches, or more land, more be able to conquer more land, you know. But Solomon wanted to concentrate on God's people, how to, how to truly uh, rule God's people. And, you know, most men don't ask for that. You know, first thing you ask a person, you know, if he get, get a rich, I mean a wish, What's the first thing he's gonna ask for? Most of the time they're gonna ask for it to be rich. You know, let me be rich. You know, and they think that's gonna make them happy. 
but most of the time that's going that's going to make them sad. In one of the displays of Solomon's, uh, uh, when he got his knowledge, is the two women who were living in the same house, and they both had children. I think one had a child three days after the other, and one of the, and the other lady's child died, and so they uh, the other woman wanted to take the child and said it was hers and Solomon made the decision that he was going to cut the child in half and get one each of a half and he knew the real mother would go ahead and say you know don't split the child just let the other lady have it and once she made that decision then he knew who the child was so that was his first uh, uh, thing of, of showing his uh, intelligence uh, his wisdom at that point <clears throat> so once we are know a little bit about Solomon. Now let's get into the meat of the Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, and when, when you go to Ecclesiastes 3, like I said, it reads, you know, the, uh, for everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Then he began with all these different things uh, where he talked about, you know, that uh, a time for. There's a time for this and a time for that. And we're going to go through each one of these one by one, and we'll go through some other scriptures that correlate with each one of these uh, different uh, uh, verses when we go through them. So when we start out, first thing he says, uh, uh, man, uh, uh, it's time to be born. You know, first thing in the so it's time to be born. When you go to uh, Job 14.1, Job said, man born of a woman is but a few days and full of trouble. So Man being born. You know, the only man that wasn't born is who? Uh, one other man. Adam. Adam was the only man that was born. Adam was made. He was, he was created by God. So everybody, all other man, you know, came through woman. Uh, so man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble, Job 14.1. And when you go to Matthew 2.1, it said, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Matthew 2, 2, 1. So we see that, you know, time to be born. Man's going to be born. Every man that's born now is born of, of a woman in, in some kind of a way. Uh, uh, Jesus, even Jesus was born of a woman. Even though he wasn't born of man, he was born of woman. Uh, so we can see that please act as one, uh, uh, three, one, there's a time to be born. The second, next verse, the verse says, time to die. You know, and of course we know what the Bible says about that. Genesis 3:19. after uh, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree that they was commanded not to eat of, then Jesus told, God told him, he said, in the sweat of thy brow, thou shalt eat bread, Thou shalt return unto the ground, for out of it which thou was taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And that was letting Adam and Eve know that, you know, physically they was going to die. No, they didn't, uh, when uh, the serpent came to Eve and told her that they wouldn't surely die, he was tricking Eve because Eve, you know, they was, I guess, assuming that if they ate the fruit of that tree, that they would die physically right then. But, uh, but the Satan was lying to them because he said, you know, they wouldn't surely die, but he was talking about that physical death. 
You know, he didn't, he didn't say anything to them about the spiritual death. Uh, Jesus was, God was talking about that spiritual death. He said they was going to die a physical death, but they was also going to die a spiritual death. In other words, they was in, they was in good with God until they uh, went against his command. You know, everybody is good with God until they go against his command. So it said it was a t it's a time to die. Also in uh, Genesis 5.27, you know, we talked about all the uh, uh, genealogies of these different guys. And then when you get to the oldest man that's ever recorded in history, Methuselah, it said he was 969 years old and he died. He had sons and daughters and he died. You know, every time we speak about all these people, you know, whether it be uh, Job or Moses, uh, Elias, or any of them, and they always speak that he had sons and daughters and he died and went among his people. So we know that, you know, we are going, you know, we are going to die. And uh, Hebrews uh, 9.27 says, appointed to man wants to die and then the judgment. So we know we're all going to die. We got that appointment. Everybody got that appointment to die. You know, scriptures tell us that. You know, scientists now is trying to figure out a way how to keep people alive. You know, I was saying this one thing where they were saying they're trying to figure where they can freeze people. You know, and, and uh, if they got cancer or something, then when they come up with a cure, then they can unfreeze them, and then they can cure them. You know, that, that'll never happen. Man's going to die. And even if they was able to do that, once they unfreeze them, you know, they still going to eventually die. Everybody that was brought back to life from death eventually died. You know, uh, you know there, there were several people that were brought back to death, but those people that were brought back from death, they eventually died. You know, so we can see that you know, we're, we're going to die. Then the next uh, verse says, the time to plant. Because we know we all have to have food. So it said, and God, and the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed in Genesis 2.28. And then in, in Luke 29, Jesus talked about a certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to a husbandman, and hit, he went into a far country. So, you know, we're going to plant things. You know, that's how we get our food. You know, and matter of fact, uh, when Adam and Eve uh, uh, violated the statue that God had gave them, he told Adam that, you know, sweat, you know, and thorns and thistles, you know, he was going to have to uh, work the ground to get his food. Before the end, anything they wanted in the garden, they just had to go and pick it. You know, but then after that, you know, he said that, you know, he was going to have to, uh, thorns and thickles were going to grow up in the ground, and he was going to have to uh, work the ground himself to get food. So we, we have to plant things in order to get certain foods. And then the next verse says, it's the time to pluck up which is planted. We know when we plant things, we got to pick it. You know, it's not going to pick itself. You know, you plant uh, cotton, you got to pick it. I remember picking cotton when I was a kid. Uh, and I remember chopping cotton when I was a kid. And I, matter of fact, I chopped cotton until I got graduated high school. And, and, and I hurried up and went and got me a job as soon as I walked out of the graduation uh, gymnasium. <laughs> But uh, because I didn't want to work in the field anymore, but you know, we, things that we plant, we have to we have to uh, 
uh, Brother Ma, me and him talk about God and all the time, and, and uh, uh, he talked about picking stuff out of his garden, I talked about all the stuff I pick out of my garden, but we have to harvest this stuff. At the time, it's, once the harvest is done, it's time to pluck those things up. Uh, and then uh, it said in verse 8.22 of Genesis, it said, while the earth would main it, seed time, harvest time, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not seed. So seed time, we're going to be planting seeds all the time. We're going to be harvesting all the time. You know, it's time to harvest things, you know, things been harvested. It'll be soon time to harvest cotton. It's, they've harvested, harvesting, they've harvested wheat already. I think they've been harvesting beans. It'll be time to harvest corn here in the fruit. So, you know, we're going to have to harvest those things. It said, and then when you, and then Leviticus 19.9, it tells them, said, when, and when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, Neither shall thou gather the gleanings of the harvest. And what this was saying, it was telling them when they reap the uh, harvest of the field, they have to leave the gleaning for the poor people. You know, so they have to be able to go, whatever left, they couldn't go back and pick it again. They had to let all the poor people in, in, uh, to go and, and glean the fields of the other. You know, back a long time ago, I remember uh, my parents going gleaning fields after they pick, you know, they. Once they get to picking the uh, potatoes, then they would let people go out and pick potatoes and different things of that nature. So once, you know, once they got done with the harvest, you were able to go out there and pick some of those things. So in, uh, and they said, uh, time to pluck up uh, that which is planted. So once we plant things, then we have to go pick it sooner or later. If we don't pick it, then it's going to go bad. Uh, and then the next verse says, a time to kill. You know, I know a lot, a lot of people don't like to hear that. But, you know, sometimes it happens. I'm in a job where sometimes I may have to kill. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, that's part of my job. You know, it's, and it's, and, and, and it's uh, you know, I've, I've been in situations where people have died. You know, uh, and it was, and I've been in situations where, you know, where it, you know, it, it couldn't be helped. But, you know, it, and it said in uh, Exodus 12, 21, 12, it said that, that smiteth the man that he die, shall he surely be put to death. In other words, you know, if you kill somebody and you and you didn't have the right to do it, uh, you you know, you wasn't in the right, then it says you surely be put to death. You know, in other words, God knew that there was a time, you know, that when you may have to kill. You know, it, it's just it's just nowhere around it a lot of times. And then in Exodus uh, 22, 2, it said, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood shed for him. In other words, somebody breaking into your house and you end up uh, killing him, you know, it said there will be no blood shed for him. You know, and that's the same way the law is today. Somebody break into your house and you're afraid that they're going to hurt you, then you're authorized to do whatever, whatever, you know. I know a lot of you, a lot of us don't like to hear that. But you know that's just you know that's just the way life is. You know God authorized uh, uh, killing it at some point. You know He even authorized uh, kings to go out and kill. You know He authorized Saul to go out and, and totally annihilate the nation, which he didn't. 
And what happened to him? He was taken out of that kingship because he didn't obey God. Anybody got any questions or comments for our, I'd like to give everybody a chance to uh, uh, say something during the lesson. Where does some get the uh, idea from the Bible, like say, if they, in previous wars, they objected on the basis that they were a conscientious uh, objector to killing? People, so I think some people just don't want to go to fighting, you know. And some people, they they use the, they use the yeah they use the Ten Commandments a lot of times, and then a lot of them use that uh, because they look at killing as being bad, no matter what. You know, I had a one a minister there in Arkansas where we lived. One of the ministers there, he didn't believe he didn't think I should be a police officer because I would have to kill somebody. He didn't think a Christian should be a police officer, you know, because the police officer may end up having to kill somebody. And that's the way he looked at it. And, and uh, so he didn't think I should be a police officer. So uh, I guess some people just don't look at, you know, what the scripture said about killing, you know. You know, uh, a, you know killing is authorized in certain situations. Nobody want to kill. I mean, well, some people do. But most of the good-hearted people don't want to kill, but sometimes good-hearted people have to kill. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just part of, of life. You know, uh, we've had, you know, we've, you know, I've been in Arkansas, I've had to, you know, I've had to uh, use my weapon against people here over in Madison, we've had officers have to use uh, their weapons against people. Uh, it's not that you like it, you know, and you think about it a lot, you know, afterwards, and wonder if the, it didn't have to happen that way. But you know, you know, it's it's sometimes it's like it's either me or you. Same thing in the military. You know, uh, military is authorized by God. Because God had military back in, in, the, in the Old Testament. You know, he had military. He had uh, military to go out and conquer nations. He had military to go out and to annihilate nations. You know, so he authorized killing in certain situations. And a lot of people just try to use that to get out of, you know, a lot of people don't want to, they use that because they don't want to kill somebody. More. And then a lot of people use it because they just don't want to go to war. Because the cowards, yeah. So, but but yeah, you're right, and I think uh, Aaron is right too. You know, they tried to use the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not kill." But you know, he uh, killing is authorized. You know, just like uh, stoning somebody to death for eating on the seventh day, that was authorized. You know, they killed. You know, uh, it was authorized to kill someone if they kill a family member of yours and they didn't do it in self-defense. You know, that's why they made the city of refuge, so if somebody accidentally killed somebody, they could go to that city of refuge so their family members couldn't shed their blood. You know, because, you know, they would have been authorized. You know, it's a little bit different for us today, you know, it all changed in the New Testament, you know, but, you know, killing is still authorized in certain situations. You know, uh, say the states, 
executing people for committing horrible crimes. You know, that's, that's the, you know, uh, I don't think uh, the death penalty ever went away in the Bible. And it is, you know, it's still there. You know, so if, you know, a lot of states don't have executions anymore. But if they do have executions, I think it's authorized by God. I don't think they'd ever counsel that. You know, some of, some of the things in the old Ten Commandments kind of counsel that. But I don't think the death penalty ever counseled out for certain situations. You know, we don't have the death penalty for things like people committing adultery or anything like that nature. But when somebody commits a horrible crime, I think that's, that's the lost right. <clears throat> All right, so, because uh, uh, I'm sure if a thief breaking into one of y'all's houses, hoping that y'all would, you know, do what you need to do before they do something to you. Uh, it's, uh, There's it, a difference between murder and self-defense. Self yes. The state's got self-defense laws and they got, and they got uh, murder laws. In other words, the difference between murder. Uh, murder is when you kill somebody, uh, it's a, what they call it, a, uh, it's a, I can't remember. I can't remember how the, how the statue reads now. You know, much as I uh, have to, uh, I use most, remember most of those statues by heart because you have to use them so many times. Uh, but it's the, un, it's, it's the uh, illegal killing of a human person. You know, and then uh, uh, justifiable homicide is the legal killing of a human person, justifiable killing of a human person. So that's the uh, that's the difference in them. Is murder murder is the little killing when you kill somebody when you have the justification to do it, and then justifiable homicide is when you have the justification to do it. <clears throat> All right. Then it says a time to heal. All right. Then once you you know so once you shoot that person breaking in your house and you try to heal them you know you know what even with us if we shoot somebody on duty. It is still our job to go try to save that person afterwards. If we don't, we could be liable for it. You know, if I have to shoot somebody for robbing a bank or trying to kill me, once I shoot that person, I, I have to go and try to stop that person from dying until I can get some help there. You know, you know it's not just you just shoot him and then just let him lay there. You know, you have to, you know, you have to go and try to revive that person if, if possible. <clears throat> uh, so it said in... Uh, Genesis 20, 17, it says, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Amalek and his wife and his maidservants, and they bore children. Then on uh, uh, Acts 3, 6, you know, P Peter, when they uh, first started preaching the gospel, you know, they met with that man at the, at the uh, uh, gate. You know, he asked him, you know, he asked him for, uh, for things, and Peter told me, he said, Sir, silver and gold have I none. He said, But search as I have to thee, in thy name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. In other words, he was healed of him not being able to walk. So, you know, healing is, is another thing that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have that miraculous healing like they did back in those days, but, you know, somebody gets sick, then we try to do things to heal that person. And it may not even be a physical healing, it may be a mental healing, you know, or emotional healing that we may have to help people with. 
You know, healing is healing. You know, you heal them either emotionally, you heal them physically, physically, or you can heal them, you know, mentally. You know, either way you go. But you know, uh, it said that there is a time to heal. You know, <clears throat> and then the next verse is said, time to break down. You know, you know, uh, you have to tear things down sometime in order to make them better. You know, you got an old house that's about to fall down. Uh, we had one who was in Arkansas that uh, Ida's grandmother gave, gave us uh, after her grandfather died. But the house was, you know, I had a guy to go look at the house to see what it would take to remodel it. He said, well, just tear it down. You know, he said, because you're not, you know, not going to be able to fix it. So we had the house tore down. Uh, but it says in uh, Joshua 6.20, he says, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before, and they took the city. In other words, this, you know, that's when Joshua went up to take uh, the city of Jericho. You know, God gave him that instruction, you know, to march around the city seven times for seven days, and then on that seventh day, they were to march around six times, and on that seventh time, they was the, the priest was to uh, blow the trumpets and the army was to march in front of the people, uh, behind the uh, uh, priest, and then the people was marched behind them and the people was to shout while they were blowing the horn and then the wall fell down. If they hadn't did that, that wall wouldn't have failed. You know, so they had to tear the wall down in order to get in to take the city because the city had a great wall around it. And so sometimes you have to tear things down in order to get things done. Then in the second King eleven eighteen, it said all the people of the land went into the house of Baal and broke it down. His altars and his images break they in pieces. In other words, you know they went and tore all these altars down. You know, and they took uh, uh, these was the altars of Baal. You know, of course, you know uh, Jerusalem and all a lot of time they got to worshiping these uh, false gods. They got to following Baal. And then once they fall back in the grace of God, then they decide to go in and tear all these altars down. So sometimes you have to tear those things. Sometimes you have to tear things down in order to, uh, to build things back up. And then you have to build it back up. And the next verse says, time to build up. You know, and then, uh, like you said, when you tear things down, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to build it up. Uh, there's a... Yeah, I know you see a lot of these videos where they take and set all these dynamites in these big buildings and they tear the whole building down, move everything out, and then they build it back up. Uh, the World Trade Center, you know, they built something back in there after it was, it was uh, the plane hit it and tore it down, then they had to build it back up. And in Genesis 6, 14, it said, make the, uh, it, um, uh, God told Moses, you know, when he got ready to build an ark, he said, make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms thou shalt build, make in it in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. In other words, he was telling Moses, uh, Mo, uh, he was telling uh, him to, to uh, not Moses, I'm saying Moses, <laughs> uh, Noah, tell Noah to build, thing, build something up, you know, and he had to build it the way God told him to build it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have floated. It probably would have floated, but it wouldn't have lasted for the 40 days and 40 nights that it, was, that it was supposed to. Then when you go to Nehemiah 
It says, so the war was finished in the 25th year of the month of Elul, in the 50 and 52 days, when Nehemiah got ready to build a wall. You know, the wall got torn down after, after Jerusalem went back into captivity. You know, that wall got, you know, it, it, you know most of the wall got torn down, you know, by the, by the different armies that attacked them. When, and then, so when they got ready to, when God got ready to bring the people back out of captivity, he had Nehemiah to go in and rebuild that wall. And so that's why, where he said, say we'll finish that wall in 52 days. And I'm sure it was a massive wall, and that was, a, you know, that was a, a great time to finish it. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, with the equipment we got today, you know, they can't finish things in uh, that uh, overpass they was building over there on, fire, on, uh, on Highway 20, where it had been, what, two years or so it took them to, to build that thing. Uh, so, you know, and they did this wall, which was probably a massive greater than that uh, overpass, and it took them 52 days to do it. So they had, and, and uh, Nehemiah said they had a mind to work. You know, <clears throat> they got out there and labored for, to get that wall built back. And again, they had a lot of people working too also. You got to, you got to look at that point, you know. They, and what these people had to work with, one hand on a tool and one hand on a weapon, you know, because they had to fight off the enemy while they were building that wall. <clears throat> and then the next verse said, time to weep. You know, we all, you know, weep sometimes for one reason or another. You know, it's either from losing a loved one, the children have to go off uh, uh, or something. Sometimes we weep when we hurt ourselves bad enough, you know. It, that we, you know, that we have to weep. Uh, and then in Deuteronomy 34, 8, it says, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses was in it. You know, when they got to the promised land, you know, Moses couldn't go in, you know, so he, they had to, uh, they, you know, they, uh, uh, they, uh, they mourned for Moses. Said weep for more than for morning for thirty for thirty days and it ended. And then in Acts twenty and thirty-four and thirty-five, it said uh, when Paul got ready to go to Jerusalem for his second missionary journey, you know, he met with the uh, he met with the elder, uh, and and this is what uh, he told him that he was going to uh, Jerusalem. Of course, they didn't want him to go, but then when he was insisted that he was going. You know, they, they, they kind of stopped trying to uh, talk him out of it. But then when he got ready to leave, it said, and they wept sore and fell upon Paul's neck and kissed him and, and sorrowed most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. And that's Acts 20, 34, and 35. <clears throat> and then, a time to laugh. You know, everybody like a good laugh. You know, you know Solomon kind of goes through everything in life that we're going through. Everything in life that we have to go through. You know, we may not go through all of these things. You know, every one of us is not going to go through all of these things. But, you know, a lot of, most of them that we will. And then it said, uh, time to laugh. In Psalms 162, 2 and 3, it said, Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathens, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof 
we are glad. And that's from 162, uh, 162. That ain't right. I think it was 119. All right. And uh, next one is time to mourn. You know, we all mourn at times. I think every, laughter in the morning, we all probably going to go through sooner or later. In time to mourn, in Luke 16, 9 through 10, it said, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And that's uh, Luke uh, 16, 9 and 10. And then it says there's a time to dance. You know, I know we look down on dancing, but I don't think this is the kind of dancing that they're talking about. We ain't talking about the boogie nights and things like that. I think the kind of dancing they may be referring to may be something a little bit different. Then when you look at 1 Samuel 18, 6 and 7, it said it came to pass that they came when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tablets, with joy, and with the instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousand, and David has his ten thousand. So it said the women came out singing and dancing, but it's not the kind of singing and dancing. I think they would have that joyful singing and dancing, uh, and not just, you know, that kind of... Uh, evocative as they would call it, I guess, singing and dancing. <clears throat> and then it says, it's time to cast away stones. So the priests shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague is, and that they shall cast them into an unclean place without the city. And that's Leviticus 14.4. That's what the, the, uh, the priest has to do, you know, with the, whenever the plague, you know, they have to take those stones out, cast them outside the city. Anything that was unclean, the priest has to take and cast them outside of the city. Uh, and then in Revelation 18, 21, it said, The mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with, uh, thus with violence shall that great city of Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. In Revelation 18, 21. Let's see, we're about to run out of time. Let me see, I can't get a few more. All right. A time to gather stones together. You know, we cast stones away. Sometimes we have to gather them together. And then in uh, Exodus 17, 12, it said, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone, and they put it under him, and set it their own. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, that one, of the, uh, one on the one side, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And this is when they was fighting uh, against Ur, and 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 they it, it, Moses was you know every time Moses' hand came down and got tired, you know they was losing the battle. And every time his hand went up, then they start back to win the battle. So he had help to keep his hands up so they can continue to win in the battle. And then in Genesis 31, 45, and 46, it says, and Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they did eat there upon the heap. <clears throat> and then it says, a time to embrace. And then in Solomon 2.6, it says, 
His left hand is under my head, and his right hand do embrace me. And this is speaking about, uh, talking about uh, uh, Solomon and his bride, and when Solomon was talking about this in Solomon 2.6. And then Acts 20, 36 and 37, it said, when he had uh, thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. And that's in Acts 20, 37 again. Uh, let's see. We're almost there. And it's time to refrain from embracing. Proverbs 5.20. And it said, Why would thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? You know, so in other words, we need to stay away from strange women, men. <clears throat> so, and then it says, Time to get. Uh, Job 1.3. You know, it said, His substance also was 7,000 sheep 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. Okay, and so it was time to get. And then it says, a time to lose. Back in Job again, uh, uh, Job 14, 1 through 14, when Job lost, lost all of his livestock, he lost all his uh, children, and then he lost his health, you know, so sometimes we have to lose. And then it says, a time to keep. And Numbers 17.10, it said, the Lord said unto Moses, bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to keep it for a token against the rebels, and they shall uh, quite take away their murmuring for me that they die not. All right, real quick. And time to cast away, Matthew 7.5. Said, our hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of their own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Then it says, time to rend. When Malachi perceived all that was done, Malachi rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and cried with loud voice, bitter. Okay, let's see. Time to sow. Exodus 21, 26.1 said, Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. So they had to sew the curtains in order to make them. And time to keep silent. It said, uh, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account. So if you're going to say something that you don't have in the business, then you need to keep silent, Matthew 12, 36. Uh, and then in the, uh, see, time to speak. In 2 Timothy 4, 2, he said, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reproof, reprove, exalt, of all long suffering and doctrine, 2 Timothy 4, 2. The time to love. First Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unfriend love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. And the time to hate. Proverbs 13.5 says, Righteous man hated lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. A time of war. Uh, said, when thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, thou hast taken them captive. 
end in a time of peace. Say, Behold, my son shall be born to thee, who shall be man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies around about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet unto Israel in all his days. Chronicles 22, 9. All right, thank you everybody for the undivided attention. And we kind of made it through that. Thank you.